Well, I have very sad news for everyone. Most of what Congress does is legislate in areas that they don't fully understand because there aren't that many members of Congress. They have limited time. A lot of what they do is fundraising. And so if they don't understand something, that is my fault, not their fault. And I think that's the attitude you have to bring to this is that real approach of, I want them to understand it. And I think that was moderately successful. Making sure government doesn't screw things up. My name is Julie Brahage Greenberg, and I'm the co-founder of FinTech Today. And I'm John Pitts, Global Head of Policy at Plaid. And this is the policy podcast where we're going to dive into all things FinTech policy. Or the things that we can cover in 20 minutes. Exactly. And that's going to be pretty tough to do. But in today's episode, uh, we're going to sort of set the tone here. And there's been a lot happening in D.C. right now. So, John, where do you want to start today? We should start just by talking a little bit about why we have a fintech policy podcast and why anyone who is busy, and I know you are very busy, building a company should care about what's happening in Washington, D.C. Uh, or you know other capitals. Maybe we'll talk about Ottawa uh, or, or London. But I thought one way for us to get into that and sort of explain the thesis for this show and also maybe get people to actually care and listen, would be to talk about what happened over the last couple of weeks with the infrastructure bill and what I think to a lot of people was the surprise of having an infrastructure bill turn into a crypto tax and reporting piece of legislation uh, overnight, as a lot of people perceived it. Yeah, you know, when I first read about this, I thought maybe I had like a dream and I was, it was just too real that I like thought it was actually happening. And then I I did Google and I found out that actually it was something going on because the year is 2021 and crypto is a part of infrastructure spending bills, which just baffles my mind. (laughs) The really critical thing is crypto, of course, has nothing to do with infrastructure. Yes. Before I get like 5,000 DMs, crypto is the infrastructure of the financial services future, or at least has the possibility of being uh, that. But that's not the reason it was in the infrastructure bill. It was in the infrastructure bill for a very specific reason. Congress wanted a way to pay for some of the infrastructure bill, not all of it, uh, wanted a way to pay for some of it. And there was a $28 billion pot of money sitting on the table. That's an estimate. But the estimate was if people paid all the taxes they owed on their cryptocurrency trades, we would have $28 billion of new money and that would pay for a substantial amount of the bill. So the reason it got into the infrastructure legislation had nothing to do with infrastructure. It had to do with what in DC we call pay-fors. How are we going to pay for this? And it turns out We are going to pay for it by asking you to pay us some money. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at Robinhood's latest earnings report, there's certainly a lot of companies making a lot of money off of crypto. So trying to find a way to have the government make money off of crypto, I guess, I would be trying to get a piece of that pie too. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Well, and I think that's one of the things that was so interesting about this moment in D.C. is... I at least think of fintech and policy as falling into three buckets in terms of the three types of companies. And I'll be interested to to hear from you if you think this is the right 
bucketing or if you would bucket it differently. And it's most pronounced in crypto, but I think it exists across all of fintech. There are companies who sort of think of themselves as building something completely outside of existing financial services. Financial services is broken. Fiat currency is broken. Like we're going to build something new and it's going to be outside of government forever. Then there's two other groups who I think think of themselves as we are building new financial services, but they are an iteration on what we have, right? They're an extension of, they're a new form of, but fundamentally, even if they're not regulated today, eventually they are going to get regulated. And within that group, I think the two subgroups are, we would like as little regulation as possible because regulation is expensive and it might hurt our bottom line. And there are folks who view it as, regulation actually legitimizes what we are doing. We want appropriate regulation and we're actually going to go out and ask for it. And, and full disclosure, I generally put myself in that third camp for fintech of regulation is not inherently a bad thing. Good regulation can actually be as beneficial to your business as bad regulation is harmful. But I think those are the main three buckets I put folks in. And I think this moment on this infrastructure bill was really helped to define those camps in the crypto space because you have some people who are like, no, 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 we're outside of government, right? Like this this shouldn't ever apply to us. And some folks were like, no, 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 it's okay. We're going to be responsible and do the tax reporting, but you guys are trying to make us do it wrong and it's going to ruin things for us. And then there's a third camp that was, you know, here's the way you can do it correctly. And I think those are three really different ways for engaging government but ways that can have a material impact on your bottom line, depending on which path you're trying to pursue. Yeah, and I think that that's changed lately as well. I think a lot of companies start out as trying to not be regulated. And then as they grow and more attention gets paid to the sector, they want to be able to go out to both the government as well as customers and be like, oh, no, like we are regulated. Like, I promise your money is safe. I promise we're not misusing your data. Like, government is watching us. We have FDI insurance, like whatever it might be, like you don't have to worry about that. I don't know about you, but when I personally get asked, question of like, is my money really safe with a challenger bank? Is my money really safe if I use credit karma? And like, are they misusing my data? Are they really telling me the right things? And I'm like, they are regulated. There are people watching them. Like if they do something bad, they're going to get in big trouble. All the challenger banks partner with an actual bank and have FDIC insurance. So a lot of these concerns are, I like, I get it, but the good thing is that these companies can come out and say, like, I am regulated. I promise you're safe. Whereas you couldn't say that. Like, me too. I would be worried about using these companies if they weren't regulated. So does that mean, one, you agree with my three buckets? And two, are you also a bucket three person, Julie? I think so. I think so. I wish there was some disagreement here, but I, I think that um, the bucket analogy is good, especially like you can technically do it for both crypto as well as broader fintech. Yeah. And I, I do like making the point that I think the buckets have shifted a bit. I think that people start by not wanting regulation and that's just as they get bigger, then they, they tend to want that regulation to help uh, legitimize them. So we'll have to maybe find someone to come on and create some tension and, and challenge mm. our assumptions that, that those are the right buckets or that bucket three is the right answer. But let's take for a minute that sort of bucket three may actually be, if not the right answer, it certainly is where people are sort of increasingly shifting. I, I think maybe part of the point of this podcast is to, one, 
be a little bit persuasive that making that shift earlier may actually be good for your company and sort of understanding how you should navigate that shift earlier as a company is going to pay real dividends down the road. And then two, just give some people some tools and some understanding because if you did not grow up in the world of understanding sort of how reconciliation works and what the role of Congress versus the role of uh, the Treasury Department versus the role of OCC, CFPB, like it can be completely impenetrable to understand exactly how that policymaking process happens and how it will matter for you and how you should engage in it. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember that in my kindergarten class, but you know, that was just so long ago that I probably forgot about it at this point. (laughs) Maybe you and I for another episode can do a duet of the Schoolhouse Rock, I'm Just a Bill uh, song, (laughs) uh, if if, if you've seen that before. I have. I'd forgotten about it, but oh my God, now I'm singing it in my head right now. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Oh, that um, should be our that should be our intro song to the podcast. <laughs> I'm slightly worried about uh, a DCMR uh, takedown if we try and do that. Uh, uh, DMCRA. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I am inclined to speak in an impenetrable jargon of acronyms, and we do not have someone here to say, "Hey, what, what the hell do you mean?" But like. One of the secrets of Washington, D.C. is everyone just speaks in impenetrable jargon. We use it defensively to try and keep other people out and offensively to signal that we are sophisticated, knowledgeable people. But DMCRA, that is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and it allows you to force people to take down content if they are using any of your copyrighted material, which is why we should not use that song. In the beginning of our, uh, <laughs> unless we ask for permission and they're okay with it. Yeah, but, unless yeah. we do that. Or Um, we can literally sing it ourselves. (laughs) We can. And probably if we sing it badly enough, the people who are using uh, AI crawlers to listen for (laughs) copyright infringements and and post notices won't catch us. There we go. There we go. I don't know about you, but as someone that runs a media company, I got an influx of emails from crypto companies, from Andreessen Horowitz, from like Coinbase was going off on Twitter saying a bunch of different things about this. So it was hard to miss. And I think this is part of the reason I thought it was a dream, but then quickly realized that this was, in fact, reality. Did anyone in the crypto community see this coming? Like, was this expected or was this just like a complete, like, random thing and all of a sudden it was in the bill? Yeah. So I I think that's actually a really important question because I think it helps illuminate something about how Congress does business. So, one... I don't think people in the crypto community saw this as a likely thing happening on this legislation, right? There had been general talk around things, but this caught everyone by surprise that it would happen in this bill. But it should not have caught people by surprise that something was going to happen. Congress has been holding hearings, introducing legislation on crypto since at least 2013, as far as I've been able to tell. And one critical thing to understand about how Congress works is you will often have someone, a member of Congress, introduce a bill. It doesn't go anywhere. But the purpose of introducing that bill wasn't to get it passed as a standalone legislation. It was to build consensus around the ideas in that legislation so that two or three years later, Someone, when they had a piece of legislation that was going to pass, 
could grab this off the shelf and stick that bill into the legislation that was moving. And I think that's what caught people by surprise, but shouldn't have, was this was an idea that had been rolling around Congress for a couple of years. What someone needed was legislation that was going to pass because the vast, vast majority of bills never become law. You wait until something's moving. And then they just took the idea that already existed, stuck it into the bill that was moving, and suddenly it seems like an emergency. It's a surprise to everyone. And the reality is the worst time to try and change legislation is after a bill that's moving has been introduced. Your ability to change legislation is very, very minimal at that point. You really need to intervene at the earlier stage when sort of trial balloons and ideas are being introduced that aren't going to go anywhere, at least now, but might be used in the future. And so once it gets in there, and obviously the infrastructure bill was one that was very likely to pass a lot of power behind it. So a very good one to put sneak this right on in there. Um, but it sounds like, so the crypto industry kind of fought to remove a lot of the, the language in here. They got like a little bit of, I guess, caving, but there's still a lot of things in there that could eventually hurt them in terms of like tax reporting and whatnot. So would you consider this a win, a loss, a draw? Like where, where do we kind of end this? And is there still some stuff ongoing? Yeah, so it's definitely still ongoing because the bill itself hasn't actually passed yet. The first round of action was in the Senate. And I think the most important concession that the crypto uh, industry got, and I do think it is meaningful, is they made a lot of noise about, hey, listen, this is too broadly drafted. The way you are trying to sort of create liability or responsibility here, this might apply to developers. You don't understand the difference between... Uh, proof of work and proof of stake. Like this is potentially going to be really damaging for the proof of stake. This is an argument that's very critical to be able to make. This is not technologically neutral. Congress really, really wakes up when they hear technologically neutral or not technologically neutral. That's a, a pretty compelling argument to them. Why? So Congress generally does not like to pick winners and losers and certainly does not like to be called out for picking winners and losers. So if you're able to make a compelling case that, for example, in crypto, proof of work and proof of stake are in fact competing technologies for how you would do a blockchain transaction and that legislation that regulated one but not the other or regulated one out of existence and allowed the other to flourish... Members of Congress will treat that very seriously. And I think one of the things that I saw over the course of the debate on this was some real frustration by the crypto folks that members of Congress, I'm sure you saw these tweets, they don't understand the technology. They're legislating in an area that they don't understand. Well, I have very sad news for everyone. Most of what Congress does is legislate in areas that they don't fully understand because There aren't that many members of Congress. They have limited time. A lot of what they do is fundraising. And so if they don't understand something, that is my fault, not their fault. And I think that's the attitude you have to bring to this is that real approach of, I want them to understand it. And I think that was moderately successful. So the big win was they did get members of Congress on the record saying, it is not our intention that these words would be interpreted to apply to developers and other people. The reason I say that's a big win is there could have been another bite at the apple at the legislative stage. Now this has to be passed by the House. 
Unfortunately, for people who sort of intervened at the legislative stage, the House has already agreed no amendments on this legislation. So I think that opportunity is not really going to exist. But that takes us to the next really critical stage of this. And that, I think, is the part where the moderate win that was achieved by the crypto community can turn into a real win and will pay dividends, which is Treasury now has to, or will, assuming this legislation passes, have to write a rule. Because the legislation is still pretty bare bones, and all of the words in it will need interpretation in terms of who does this actually apply to, how would you do the reporting. The Treasury Department is going to do that. And Treasury and other agencies take very seriously when members of Congress say, our intention of this legislation is X. Because ultimately, the agencies can't do anything beyond what Congress has given them permission to do. And so when Congress says, we think this means X, the agencies now have to try and figure out the actual implementation to make X happen. And I think that was the big win from crypto, but they will not get the real win without concentrated engagement with Treasury once this bill is law to try and deal with the regulatory implementation. Well, and also if there's regulation around it and more legislation around it, doesn't that mean that it's less likely for government to just nix it and be like crypto is banned? I, I think that's that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, You've already seen that from the Federal Reserve. I don't think we would be talking about a central bank digital currency at all right now had crypto not been so successful, right? Mm -hmm. This is where like the success of the industry, to get back to our initial thesis, when you are successful, government will pay attention. You are going to get pulled into the regulatory perimeter. And that also means government is going to copy some of what you are doing. And I am not a huge idealist when it comes to government policy. I try to be like a real pragmatist and say, this is how it works. And therefore, what do I need to do in response to it? But I think that should be the expectation. Crypto has been incredibly successful. That's why the regulation is coming. And that regulation will make crypto a much more permanent part of our financial services world. On that note, between now and when the next podcast comes out, you can follow me at Julie Verhage on Twitter and sign up for our emails, fintechtoday.co. John, how can they stay in touch with you? Best place to find me is on Twitter as well. I am at Policy Pits. If you disagree with anything I've said about crypto, uh, please don't at me because I know you guys are enthusiastic and I don't want to be completely overwhelmed by the title. <laughs> well, until next time, stay tuned on that and we will see you guys then.